testify about something like, oh, I got a job, I got, I did this. You know, people come here and they testify about things that they got. And I was just uh, reflecting this week about my life itself and how God has been so great. Um, so since all uh, August last year, I got the opportunity to do my grad school here to join my UIC. So I'm pursuing my PhD, and it has been a blessing for me. But sometimes, you know, everything in life it gets so hard. And this last semester, which was a spring for me, uh, it was so hard for me. It was like one of the hardest semesters of my life as a, as a student. Uh, and it was really like it was becoming a burden for me, and it was really hard to deal with. Um, and I really needed a refresh, so God blessed me with the opportunity to go to Brazil. So I spent the past three months in Brazil, back at home with my family, doing, you know, just relaxing. <laughs> and uh, and as I was praying to do this testimony today, to share something with you, God just put in my heart that about, specifically about this, how uh, He wants us to be refreshed. So in my life, what was really hard was the education. Uh, like, it was hard to deal with this, this semester. But maybe in your life, it's your job, it's something that is going on in your family, marriage. So I just want to share a verse that Jesus himself said. So come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean from me, and for I am gentle and humble in heart. For you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and burden is my life. This is Matthew 11, 28. So I want just to uh, encourage you this afternoon to be refreshed by God, to be refreshed by what God has for you. Maybe you don't see it now, maybe you don't see the light, but God is the light, so He will uh, refresh your souls. So let's pray this afternoon. Uh, Father, thank you for this afternoon. Thank you for this amazing time to be here together as a family, God, to pray, to worship your name. Thank you for everything you do for us, God. Maybe we don't see it now, but we will see, God, uh, by faith that you have so much more in our lives. For those who are here, God, that they need to be refreshed, I pray that they will be, God, this afternoon touched by your holy hands, God, that you will be filling their hearts with hope, with joy, that everything that comes from your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that this afternoon will be an amazing time, that your atmosphere of your Holy Spirit will be here, God. Show up this afternoon, God. Let us feel uh, what a love looks like, what a lot of a father looks like. Let us feel this love this afternoon. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
covers us. His love is peace, his love is strong, and his fury is. His love is sweet, his love is wild, yet it's waking hearts to life. If you believe it this morning, sing with me there. His love is deep, his love is wild, and it covers us. His love is peace, his love is strong, and it's glorious.
declare that nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. You're the Revival 
days of old, would you do it again? Do it again. All the stories told, all the miracles, would you do it again? Do it again. You said.
hold you down. You are the risen King, Lord. And we praise you and we glorify you. We honor you today with our worship. And we just love you, Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen and amen. And everybody gives the Lord a hand clap of praise. Today, oh, today is such an awesome day. It's a special service. Um, I just want to invite all the children to come up front. We're going to pray for them. This is the new school year is kicking off. If you guys want to step forward, we're going to pray for you. Um, how many know how blessed children are to the kingdom of God? And so we just want to pray for them today. I actually want to ask my sister, Lily she works with the kids to just pray over them for this new school year that they would be blessed that they would be safe and that God would just bless each and every one of them and the elders hallelujah God hallelujah we lift up our children to you Lord we trust you God with their purpose and their destinies we trust you Lord with their lives Lord God we thank you for every single precious calling over them Lord God we thank you Lord God that you rejoice over them with singing Father God we thank you that your love pours out for them day in and day out Father God we pray Lord God that for this next school year Lord God that you would just arrest them in your love that they would go so deep into your heart Father God, that they would do everything in excellence, Father God, that they would give their all, Father God, that they would be the very best students that they could be, Lord God, that you would keep them safe, Father God, every single day, Lord God, because we know that you love them, Lord God, with a father's love, Father God, and so I pray a protection over them, Father God, I pray a spirit of excellence over them, Father God, I pray, Lord God, that their classmates would be able to see Jesus inside of them, Father God. I pray for salvation, for revival in their schools, Father God. I pray, Lord God, they will lift you up higher, Lord God. And you said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, Father God. So I pray, Lord God, this school year will be the very best school year that they've ever seen, Lord God. Would you touch our children, Lord God, in a special way? Would you keep them? Would you guide them? Would you give them all of the knowledge that they need, Father God? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and we are going to give them all school supplies. They're going to get that in their classrooms, or if you need to get some for your children, let us know at the end of service. At this time, we want to honor our teachers in this new school year. So if you are a teacher, CPS, or a private school, you can come on up here. We just want to pray for you. We want to bless you. anyway. Um, oh, she's getting Ashley. Awesome. Awesome. God is good. How, how much do you guys know that God loves and honors our teachers? They go to, to battlefield every day just to teach our kids, and they, they go through a lot, but we want to just honor them today. We also have a gift card for them. You know, we're going to give them some java to, to make it through, and we just love them because we know that God loves them. God loves those children who are, who are going every day, and they need the love of God, and they need teachers who love God to show them the love of God. Hallelujah. 
as teachers today. And Griselda, she could come up here too because she is a mentor and a teacher as well. into this new school year that they would go before in your power and in your strength and in your energy and in your might I ask oh God that you would give them wisdom and insight and understanding as they deal with so many different personalities and they teach so many different children I ask oh Lord that you would give them your eyes to see and love every single child with the love of Jesus I ask for your supernatural strength and energy to be poured out upon them in Jesus' mighty name. And I pray that the peace of Christ and the joy of the Holy Ghost would rest in their classrooms. That every time their students step into their room, that the atmosphere they, they would know is different because the presence of God is there. And I just pray, oh God, that you would lead them and guide them into this new school year, that they would love these children and that the children would love them and that they would be able to be a witness, God to let them know that Jesus is the way. We pray for their principals. We pray for their fellow teachers that they work with. We just ask for the whole school to come to the knowledge of who you are because of their witness there and them shining the light of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Guys, I just want to welcome you again to Metro Praise. I'm Pastor Jerry. I'm the camp one of the campus pastors here, and um, I just want to take a moment to just share the good news with you. So we're going to go to our verse here, and in Matthew 16, 24 through 25, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will find it. When we come to Jesus, we were all once sinners, and some of us here are sinners right now. And we've all fallen short. But we don't have to stay short because Christ has fulfilled it all. He's done it all for love, for us. And he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, he didn't say, I just, I just did it for anyone who wants to come to my meetings. He didn't say, I just want to do it for all those who are going to come and sit in the pews. He didn't say, I'm going to do it all for just the ones who feel like hanging out and listening to a message. He said, no. He said, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. I have to deny my sin. I have to repent of my sin. I have to surrender my life. I need to lose my life, and then I gain my life back. I need to die to my old self and be reborn a new self in Jesus. And that Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside of you, and you are forever different, but you have to surrender first. You can't just come to Jesus and like, I give you 10% of myself because Jesus gave 100% of himself on the cross. And he died, he shed his blood that we might be saved, sanctified, and get to spend eternity with him. But he is a gentleman, he is not going to force you into his presence forever. He's going to invite you into his presence forever. 
so there's going to be a time where we're going to have a couple altar workers here. And if you need to get right before God and you need to say, Jesus, I surrender myself. If I've held anything back from giving you my all, I surrender it now. And that's when change starts to take place. All those things that you struggle with, those things that like, oh, I'll get it right next time. I'll do it right next time. I'll, I'll be a better person tomorrow. We can't change ourselves, nor can we save ourselves. But when we say, Jesus, I give you it all, he comes and makes us new. And he abides in us forever, amen. If you guys would just bow your heads with me. We're just gonna pray this prayer. Jesus, I know that I've fallen short. And I always don't, do, I don't always do things right. But I want to be right before you today. I surrender myself, my whole self, my all, my whole heart, because I want to be a disciple that follows you. I want to be someone who, who knows you and loves you and shares you with the world and that you would save their souls as you saved mine. Lord God, I just, I repent for anything that hinders me from coming to you. Take away my shame and my guilt and make me new that I may love you and serve you all the days of my life. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We're going to recite. This is our confession of faith. This is our Christian worldview. We believe this, and this is why we say it out together. So we're going to recite this on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Say hi to somebody. Greet your neighbor. Praise God. Amen.
How many of you guys feel the love in church today? So wonderful to have you guys all here. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Especially to all of our visitors, welcome. If this is your first time, we want you guys to keep on coming. Make sure it's not your last time. Keep inviting your friends and your family. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. So we have King's Kids in the back for our children, infant to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. This is our Elevate Youth Service for students 11 to 18 years old. So if you know any teenagers, this is where you want them to be on Friday nights. Look to your neighbor and say, it's so good to have you here. Come on, don't be shy. Say it a little bit louder. Say, it's so good to have you here. Come on. This is our MPI Back to School Outreach. You guys made it out. We're so pumped. The first service had so many children we were able to bless with school supplies. And all the children that are here will get the school supplies. And we're going to raffle off that ticket at the end of service to give away that last laptop. So we thank you, Metro Praise, for making this outreach for this month, for the soul-winning summer, a success because we couldn't do it without you. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Our strategy is to connect you, mentor you, and to send you out. We want to connect you through our life groups, mentor you through our 101 and 201 books, and send you out to do evangelism. And our goal in doing that is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. How many of you guys get excited when you hear that every week? Come on. God has a part for you to play in that. So you look to your neighbor say, get connected. We want you to get connected to the church and to Jesus through our life groups. If you turn your hand out around, you'll see the schedule of life groups that we have for this quarter. Kicking it off this week, this is a snapshot of what's happening for this week. Kicking it off today, single moms. Any single moms in the house? You want to be there? It'll bless your life. They have child care provided. 5.30 today at that address. Tuesday is going to be our encounter prayer night. So you want to come on out for that and be blessed. All ages are welcome. 7 p.m. here at the church on Tuesday. Wednesday, every week, we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. We have Royal Rangers Boys Club for them and Impact Girls Club. So you want your children to be here on Wednesday nights. Then every Thursday, we have our gang outreach. They hit the streets, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. They meet here, go on out, preach the gospel to the gangbangers. Every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies available for you guys to attend and get refreshed throughout their week through fellowship and the word. So you want to be there. If you're an adult, you're not going to the Friday night Bible studies. You are missing out. One is at the Govea's. The other one is at the Vivid's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Be there. Look to your neighbor. Say, you're coming with me next time I go. And I'm going this Friday. Come on. And then Saturday, we have the Ambassadors Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 1 p.m. at that address. Come on. Who's ready to get mentored? If you're not already being mentored, you want to get mentored. We have leaders ready to take you through the 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. You are not called to walk this road by yourself. Be encouraged by a leader that's going to hold you accountable, get, take you through this book, and really help you to be a disciple for Jesus. And when you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader in the church so that one day you could be ordained to be a deacon or an elder and accomplish the purpose that God has set for you. And then somebody say, send. We want to send you out to do evangelism, to preach the gospel on the streets, to be a witness. Because how many of you guys know that Chicago needs Jesus? 
Chicago is for Jesus. Chicago needs Jesus. And Chicago will come to Jesus when we tell them about Jesus. Amen? So whose responsibility is it to go? All of ours. So we want to encourage you guys to evangelize. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we hit the streets and preach the gospel. If you've never done it, you, it will blow your mind. You will be so ch radically changed. Your love for God will increase. Your love for people and the lost, your brokenness for them. And you will really, really experience a new level in your walk with the Lord because we take our eyes off of ourselves and we put it to the dying world around us and we say, Jesus, come, we need you. Amen. So in a recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal, a vision of loving God and loving people, strategy to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out, and a goal to have 50 churches, 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Look to your neighbor and say, let's do it. Come on, don't leave us hanging. You're here for a reason. We got to do it together. It's better together than to do it alone, right? Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings today? Come on. It's an extension of our worship unto the Lord. MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. And an offering is above the tithe, an amount between you and the Lord that you give generously with a cheerful heart. And we designate towards missions and towards building. So if you want to get to our lesson today, you could go to the Metro Praise Facebook page. Lesson seven, section three is all about stewardship. Stewards are to be fruitful. Somebody say fruitful. Come on, how many of you guys know that if you remain, if you remain faithful to Jesus, he will make you fruitful? They're going to switch the slide here in just a second. This book has 52 lessons, one lesson for every single week, and it's so rich, and it will really bless our life. Well, we understand the principle and the honor and the discipline of tithing and giving offerings. We will never miss out with all that God has for us. So let's be fruitful through our faithfulness. Definition, stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. So God has entrusted us with everything that you can have in your life right now that you can think of. God's given that to you. You didn't earn it by yourself. You worked hard for it, but it's God's blessing in your life, and he wants you to manage it well. And we're going to be reading from John 15, verse 5, John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is Jesus talking. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of you guys understand that apart from Jesus, we can do absolutely nothing? Let's read the three main points from that passage of scripture. Number one, God is the source of all blessings. Jesus taught the disciples that he was the vine and they were the branches. This means that everything the branches produce comes from the vine. Apart from the vine, the branches can do nothing. So nobody is a self-made man. Everything that you do is because Jesus allows you and gives you the ability to do it. So we have to make sure that we're giving him glory and honor because of that. Number two, we must remain in Jesus. Success can sometimes bring pride into people's hearts and get them cut off from Jesus. We need to always remember that following Jesus and being connected to him is more important than worldly things. Nothing in this world can take his place in our life. Do not get cut off from the vine. You will not produce fruit. When we produce fruit, we bring glory to God. When you cut yourself off from Jesus, you do not bring glory to him because there's no fruit on your branch. Number three, bear much fruit. Jesus desires to give you much fruit in life. Say much fruit. If you remain faithful to Jesus, he will make you fruitful. Being fruitful in life includes your finances, your family, your spiritual growth. You should be growing and changing and giving all those things to the Lord so that he could continue to bless and prosper you. Amen. Here's a summary. 
Be faithful to Jesus, and he will make you fruitful. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. Here are three ways you can apply this lesson to your life. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithe. Number two, get connected and stay connected to Jesus by obeying all of his commands. Don't give up when it gets hard. Don't stop being faithful to the tithe. Don't stop coming to church. Stick through it. Follow all of his commands. Be faithful, and then you'll see the fruitfulness develop. Number three, pray every day for the Lord to make you fruitful in all you do. If this is your heart's desire, let's confess this over our life together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Please stand up to your feet as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings this afternoon. We give God our best, amen, not our leftovers. A tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. We designate offerings here towards missions and building projects throughout the year. We thank you so much for partnering with us. You guys make it happen. On the envelope, you could put the exact amount that you want allocated towards each category. Here are four ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You could see me or Pastor Jerry for that today if you would need help with that. And number four, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Very easy, convenient to use. Let's recite this together. Philippians 4:19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your promises in our lives. And Lord, we want to be fruitful. We want to stay connected to you, to the vine. I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us will always remember to stay faithful and staying connected to you, bearing fruit in our lives, following your commands, obeying your commands. And I just ask, oh Lord, that you would bless your people, bless them as, and prosper them as they are faithful with the tithe, faithful with, with the offering. I ask, oh Lord, that you would open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing upon them that they wouldn't have room to receive, God. And we receive it with open arms today. I pray you bless the gift and the giver. Multiply it. Use it for your, your kingdom that we would win souls here in Chicago. That we would see a city transformed for you and all the nations of the earth. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. Please come forward as you give today. We thank you so much for your generosity.
All right, we're going to have Martus come up and do some rap for us today. Let's do it, Martus. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, what's up, everybody? We're here. Uh, what's up, everybody? <clears throat> Hello? Check. What's up, everybody? There we go. We're going to do a song, and uh, we just want to invite everybody to come on up if you want to get excited, get energetic. You could come on up. You guys in the back. Everybody who's young in here better come on up here. Have some fun right on the stage. We got some people from Elevate. If you're in Elevate, we want to see you up here, though. If you're in Elevate, we want to see you up here. Young people, let's go. Elevate. Elevate. All right. Elevate. Oh, that was weak. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. Come on. Modest. 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 Everybody do this. Come on. Modest. Modest. There we go. Modest. Come on. Modest. Modest means witness in the Greek, because we're all witnesses for Jesus. Come on. Modest. Modest. Come on. Modest. That's how we gonna do it. It is finished, it is done. He took the punishment of all and he gave it to the son. He's the one, he's the one. He'll be here until the end, he's been dead since the begun. It is finished, it is done. He took the punishment of all and he gave it to the son. He's the one, he's the one. Come on, he's the one. He's the one, yeah, go. Call me your revenant, back with the flow that's ever sent. Miss me with the irrelevant, it's not benevolent. One thing is evident, fulfilling the covenant. Do the God said to me, Christ, he was the element. Not talking chemistry, but I'll take it there gladly. Treat this like 101, welcome to the academy. Even professors, come and learn every day. Knowledge from the Messiah, only rabbi, we obey. All authority is solely tied to his name. And he's coming back again, got a kingdom to complain. So keep believing that money equals power. Only the name of Jesus will make the demons cower. I don't Live to be honored, cause I live for Rosanna, not a slave to designer. I serve someone higher, got a passion inside, and it's something like a fire. That's why I'm in the streets, reach a loss, my desire. It is finished, it, it is done. done. Come on, he took the punishment of all, and he gave it to the son. He's a one. Where's the energy? The come one. on, y'all, come on. He's been here with the end, he's been here since begun. It is finished, it is done. He took the punishment of all, and he gave it to the son. He's the one, he's the one. He's the one, come on. He's the one, yeah. Oh. Matrix become reality. No longer living inside my fantasy. Start loading scriptures into my magazine. Kill that sin and stack up the casualty. Yahweh is a Hebrew said. Died on the cross, his human body just bled. Forget that, cause you was getting to the bread. All the meanwhile, your soul inside there. Looked for a job, but instead he found a stain. Just getting the star, he a youngin' in the game. Superstars feeding them all these ambitions. Different perspectives, but the same. Rendition, simply speaking, modest flow me, keep seeking, but this joy gleam. Even staring into the barrel with the beam, we always get the win, cause we fair with the team. On the shame, we rise to education, highest education, that's like an ideation. I give my position up till we come the lamest. Only his name be known the lamb who was stainless. Come on, the lamb who was stainless. Come on, the lamb who was stainless. Come on, the lamb who was stainless. Come on. It is finished. It is done. He took the punishment of all, and he gave it to the son. He's the one. He's the one. He'll be here until the end. He made history begun. It is finished. It is done. He took the punishment of all, and he gave it to the son. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. Yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Everybody say, yeah. He's the one. 
He's the one. That's right. He's the one. He's the one. Come on. He's the one. 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 The one. All right, Jesus Christ is the one, amen. Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody make some noise for Jesus. Give some noise for Jesus. God bless you guys. Woo! Let's give it up for Martis. Awesome. Come on, high fives, high fives for all our young people, all our college students, high schoolers, and all the cool kids. Open up your Bibles with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad that you're here. Aren't you happy to be here at church loving Jesus? We had such a great time in the first service. We had over uh, 200 guests, about 70 children, had about 10 teachers. And I just want to tell you, second service guys, you are just as awesome. Thank you for coming out today. I know you could be at other places enjoying the lake doing something with your family, but you're here today because God comes first. That's right. Amen. God comes first. And so those of you who like to come to the one o'clock service, thank you. Much love from my corazón to you. Gracias. I love you so much. And I'm going to keep preaching like I did in the first service with everything I got because this is a passionate message today. This is a message that I want us all to really be impacted by as we think about, you know, our kids going back to school. And some of us may not have kids, but we're concerned about our community. We're concerned about our young people. Can I get an amen on that? Right? We're, we're really concerned about what's happening in Chicago. And I'm sad to, uh, to say this, but it's true that our young people are kind of like a sponge. And whatever is in that environment of the sponge is what that sponge picks up. And uh, sadly, what our children are right now, what they are a byproduct of is our mistakes, the older generation's mistakes. And so I want to talk to you today about a hope and a future. Everybody say a hope and a future. Thank you. I want you to look at this wonderful picture right here of some of my favorite people. This is Daryl with his youngest daughter, Anaya. Anaya is about two years old. She's being held in her father's arms. And as you're looking at this picture right here of Daryl holding his daughter, I want to ask you just a few questions as we start to talk about a hope and a future from the Word of God. Do you think that Anaya is thinking about today the political race when she's in her arms of the father right here? you think that's what she has on her mind? Do you think uh, she's thinking about how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to be able to get that new dress? Do you think she has any of those worries in her heart? When you look into the eyes of a child, and there's no greater eyes to look into than Anaya right here in this picture, what do you see? You see hope. You see purity. You, you see a childlike trust, and especially in the father's arms. She has a trust. Daddy will take care of the rest. Daddy will take care of what I'm going to eat today. Daddy's going to take care of what I wear today. Maybe more the mother, but I think you know what I'm saying. The idea is children trust their parents because they know that their parents love them. And I want to ask you a question today. Do you trust your heavenly father? Do you know that he loves you? If I were to look at your eyes today and see a window into your heart, would I see that you're trusting God today, that you're full of joy, that when you look out across this world, you don't see your problems, you don't see the past and the pain, you don't see all of your mistakes, but no, you truly see your hope and a future in Jesus or honestly, honestly, if I was to look into your eyes, look past what everybody else sees, would I see a lot of pain? 
When I see your disappointment, when I see that right now you're just wishing somehow all of this thing called life could go away or at least its problems. Maybe you're not as desperate as someone who would commit suicide or need depression medication, but maybe you just, like my mom would say on her worst day, she said, I've had enough to hear. I can't take anymore. Have you ever felt like that? Like there's just not another level for you to go to. You just can't take another bill, another disappointment, another trip to the hospital for your child. Just something in your life has gotten you to your end, to where it doesn't seem smiley, full of hope. See, today we have to go back to this childlike faith. Whether today we are truly in love with Jesus and have total confidence that he's got us in his arms, or if we're here today struggling, both are welcome at this church. Both can come to the Lord as they are and find a help. But we have to admit that this is where the Father wants us, though. You can't let the world and its problems take away your hope. You can't let your mistakes and your failures and all those things that you've been through that you wish you did differently, you wish you would have done it otherwise, you can't let that today steal away what God has for you because what he has for you is bigger than what you've made a mess of or what you could do to fix it. Just as Anaya's trusting her daddy to make everything right, we can trust in Jesus today to make everything right. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that all of our problems vanish and disappear the moment we come to church or say a prayer. But what it does mean is that our smile comes back. That the twinkle in our eyes and the joy of living comes back. In other words, we have a hope. In other words, we can see a future. Not just the despair and the problems that we see in this world today. Can I get an amen? I want you to open up your Bibles with me to Jeremiah chapter 29 as we talk today about a hope. And a future. If you don't have your Bibles, I have it right here on the screen. You can follow along a hope and a future. Here, Jeremiah is a prophet of the Old Testament speaking to the people of Israel. And listen to what he says, starting in verse 4 of chapter 9. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, I want you to understand this. When a prophet is saying, I hear what God is saying, he's not saying that God showed up to him one day and goes, Hello, I'm the Lord Almighty. That's not how he heard from God. Jeremiah heard God speak to his heart just like God can speak to your heart. But what's unique about Scripture is that God is saying, what I tell you, I want everyone to know. I don't need that, sir. Thank you. What God tells Jeremiah is just not for him. It's for the whole world. Everybody say, this is for me. Somebody say, this is for me. Say it like you're up. This is for me. So what Jeremiah hears It's not just for the Israelite people, it's for the whole world. But I want you to hear how it first came out because these people were in some trouble. See, the first thing that we realize is that he says, I have carried you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Let me give you a little history right here. The Israelite people loved Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where their temple was. It's where they raised their family. It's where God had blessed them. It's that promised land that Abraham was promised that Moses went through the desert to get to. And now they are not in Jerusalem anymore. They're in a wicked city called Babylon. Everybody say Babylon. Thank you. And this wicked city lived up to its reputation. As a matter of fact, if you remember reading stories in the Bible about a guy named Daniel, do you remember what happened to him when he stopped, uh, or rather wouldn't stop praying to his God? They said, if you don't stop praying, we're going to put you, Daniel, where? Where are we going to put you? 
in a lion's den. That's how crazy they were. If you don't, uh, if you don't pray to our gods, you pray to another god, we'll throw you in a lion's den. Wicked people. How else were they wicked? Remember a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's friends? were told to bow down and worship a statue. When they didn't bow down, what did they do? What happened to them? They were thrown where? Into a fiery furnace. Think about that. These were wicked men. Now, some of us have a hard time relating to this, so let's put it in our everyday language. Let's put it in a way we can understand. Imagine today if Beijing, China invaded us, those people, not to say they're our enemy, but just an example, they invaded us, and they took us from Chicago and put us into Beijing. They kill all of our fighting men, they take all of our women as their wives, and they take our youngest teenagers into their schools to brainwash them to be a part of their government. That's who Daniel was. Daniel was probably a castrated young man. They would not allow them to reproduce. They would castrate them. They would kill their father. So I would be killed, and little Lucas would be taken, castrated to Beijing. Can you imagine that? Now imagine you're there. Don't speak your language anymore. Don't worship your God anymore. Do what we tell you to do, or we'll throw you in a lion's den, put you in a fiery furnace. Does that help you understand a little bit? The first thing you would think to yourself is what? God didn't bring me here. The devil brought me here. These wicked people brought me here. But look at what Jeremiah says right at the beginning to understand this. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, the God of Israel. Say to all those I what? All those I what? I carried into exile. You mean God allowed something bad to happen to Israel? You mean God allowed the Babylonian army to defeat and kill the Jerusalem army, the Israelite army? You, you mean God allowed the women to be taken as sex slaves? You mean God allowed the children, the men, to be castrated and brought as eunuchs into the palace of their masters? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. You see, some of the trouble you find yourself in today, you think is just because there's a big, mean, angry devil out there. But some of the trouble you're in today is because God has said, I'm letting you go. I'm letting you go. You see, the story about Israel and why they got captured by Babylon is because in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God was very clear with them. He said, listen. You keep my commands. You obey what I tell you to do. But if you start worshiping false gods, if you start breaking my commands, the enemies around you that you once used to be victorious over, they're going to come and kick your butt. And they're going to take your family. And they're going to take everything you have. If you stop listening to me. So who is Jeremiah talking to? Pious, spiritual really in love with Chris, a God like Christian type people. No, he's talking to the Israelites who had been worshiping pagan gods, who had been sexually immoral, who started allowing crime to be rampant in their cities, who allowed their corrupt leaders to ruin the culture through their greed. And now he's saying to them, you guys... You who allowed sin in your culture, those of you who have done all of that, I've taken you and put you in time out. And you're in Babylon now. And so some of us today need to start making an application to what happened to Israel, to what happened to America. Hello. Some of y'all need to start making some connections from the Bible 
to what you're going through today. We may not have been invaded yet by another army taken as slaves, made to learn their language, but I want to tell you something. God has allowed us to go into the captivity of political corruption Greedy businesses, sexual perversion, violence on our streets. And it's not like we can just sit back and go, well, I don't know how it happened. We know how it happened. Did you buy the filth that they were selling? Did you buy the rap music, young people? That's how it happened. Were you pro-drugs as a young person? Now as an adult, you tell people not to do it, but you used to smoke weed. Now that's how they did it. Did you cheat on your taxes? Do you lie to your boss? That's why this man does it in politics. Hello, are you responsible? I believe many of us here are. Jeremiah, few others, a minority, a small remnant, could probably sit back and go, I I didn't do it. But the thing you learn about Jeremiah and the righteous people of that time, they went into captivity too. Because the wicked outnumbered the righteous. When everybody was going to bow down to those statues, there was more of them than those who said, we'll serve the true and living God. And what was so attractive about Babylonian gods and false gods anyway? Didn't they know, the Israelites, that it was their God who led them out of Egypt? Don't you remember the Prince of Egypt, the cartoon, or, or the Ten Commandments, you know? Don't you remember the movies? It's God that opens up the Red Sea. It's God that does the miracles. Why would Israelites be so tempted to want to worship false gods, especially the very ones of their own enemies that eventually conquered them? Well, why do people stop worshiping God of the Bible? today. Why do people stop listening to Jesus about sexuality today? Jesus said, you've heard it from the beginning, God created them male and female, and the two shall no longer, uh, they shall no longer be two, but they shall become one. How many people in your culture today, in your job, or with your friends, your family, are saying, I don't have sex until I get married. I'm keeping that command. See how fast we've gone to the idols of our culture, the idols of what our entertainers tell us, the idols of what our movie stars tell us, that really our God is better than your God because our God lets us do what we want. And so God said to his people, because you've served those gods, I'm now going to show you where they lead. These gods lead you to captivity. The Babylonians started off as Israel's friend, but just took advantage of them, kept pimping them, kept using them and abusing them. And the Bible says that they literally, Israel became the prostitute of the nations. Whenever the nation said, we'll give you this if you do this, they were quick to give their daughters up. They were quick to give up their integrity. And they were quick to say, whatever Babylon wants, gets. And isn't that how we are so easily deceived today? Job says I can't work Sunday. Well, I guess I'll not work Sunday then. Oh, I need to pay my $300 cable bill so I won't give ties. I'll bow down to my cable. Hello. It's something how fast we bow down to these things like Israel bowed down to false gods. And so now I want you to hear what God says to these people. He says, I've carried you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. But I want you to build houses. I want you to settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Now, I don't know about you. If I was taken as a slave into Beijing, China, my wife was killed, my dad was killed, some of my sisters were brought into slavery, the last thing on my mind is building a house and planting a garden. Can I get an amen? 
It's the last thing on my mind. I want to start a revolution. I want to fight these jokers. I want to be like, you know, you brave heart. I want, I want to fight. I want to get it on. But God says, no, this is my punishment. You're going to be here a while. So what I want you to do is I want you to start to make nice with them. You mean the ones who killed us, the ones who took us, the ones who enslaved us? Yep, I want you to start planting gardens here now. I want you to start settling down. Marry and have sons. Now, how many know marrying and having children might make it a little bit easier? You know what you do after you get married to have children? Can anybody read between the lines there? Are you guys up this afternoon? That might be a little bit good, right? Marrying, having children. That might take away some of the pain. But he says that I want you to give them in marriage so that your, can, your sons and daughters can also be given in marriage. Look what it says. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Now watch this. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the what? Of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Now we're not just saying, God, I ask that you bless Jerusalem. Here the people are being taught to pray to bless Babylon. Do you think that would be an easy prayer to, the first time you're there? After you've just gotten the snot kicked out of you, bruises still healing? Blood still on your clothes from the last battle. And now you're waking up, and this is what Jeremiah, the Lord's prophet, says. Hey, want you to plant gardens? Want you to have sex and make babies? And guess what? I want you to pray for Babylon. And I just don't want you to pray for them to be destroyed. I want you to pray that they have peace. God, I don't want to pray that they have peace. I want to pray that the next nation kicks their butt like they kicked our butt. Nope, I want you to pray for their peace. I'll just pray that there won't be fighting, but I want all their economy to come crashing down. Nope, I don't want you to just pray for their peace. I want you to pray for their prosperity. I want you to pray that this Babylonian business succeeds. I want you to pray that this Babylonian inventor keeps inventing stuff. I want you to pray for their peace and their prosperity. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You see, many of us, we could go move to Florida and get away from Chicago, or we could start praying for the prosperity and the peace of this city. You see, we could start leaving the bad places, or we could start praying for the bad places. And what God teaches us here is counter to our American revolutionary culture. Not that I'm against the revolution, and they fought at certain times too. But at this particular point, because of their sin, God had a lesson for them to learn, and it was going to take them to be there 70 years and to pray for their enemies, and to pray for their prosperity and blessing. Can you pray today for the gangs, their prosperity and their blessing? Democrats, can you pray for the Republicans, peace and prosperity? Republicans, can you pray for the Democrats, peace and prosperity? Can we literally pray here today and be like them, praying for those that we don't agree with? I hope we can. Now look at verses 8 and onward. Yes, this is what the Lord says. Because some of you are like, no, there ain't no way Jesus said that. And look at how he just tells you. Yes, yes, this is what I am saying. The God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. Everybody say they're prophesying. You see, he said they're going to lie. Why? Because you're asking them to lie. They're going to give you false dreams. Why? Because you want them to give you false dreams. 
What are the false dreams that they were being given? The false dreams of, hey, you know, we were brought here by mistake. God said if we rise up and fight, we'll get set free. And God is saying, don't you listen to them. Don't you try to have a revolution. I didn't send them. And others may be like, hey, you know what? Since we're here, it's okay to worship their gods now. Daniel, relax. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, relax. It's okay to compromise. I had a dream that said we can worship their statues. So whether it's the lie of violence or the lie of passivity, God says, don't you listen to either one of those lies. I didn't ask you to fight and be violent, and I didn't just ask you to sit back and do nothing and compromise and lose your integrity. I've told you to do something very specific. Keep serving me, keep praying to me, and as that city prospers, you will prosper. Obey me. Now what kind of lies are we being told in our culture today? The same kind. You see those crying out for justice, saying F to police, throwing their cocktail bombs at people, and then they're thinking they're going to receive justice that way. And they say, we have a right to do this. And God is saying, I haven't sent you. I haven't told you to treat the police like that. I haven't told you to treat authority like that. Romans says to respect and honor your authority. Pray for those over you. And then on the other side, people say, well, as Chicago goes, so will I go. They changed their belief on marriage. I'll believe in same-sex marriage. They changed their belief on drugs. I'll change my, and God says, nope, I didn't say that either. I didn't tell you to compromise and lose your integrity. I told you to do what I said. Somebody say, don't let them lie to you. This is what the Lord says. Now, this was going to be specific for them. That when 70 years are completed for you in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to you and bring you back to this place. I'll bring you right back to Jerusalem, but you're going to be in time out for 70 years. Now here's the verse that we have all probably heard before, but now you've got some context, don't you? For I know, somebody say he knows. Thank you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, many of you have seen that meme. You've seen that verse online. You had no idea of the context. That's why you got so discouraged and gave up the moment the plan didn't go right. The moment the thing didn't go the way you were wanting it to go. The moment you had some bumps along the road. The moment Christianity cost you something instead of giving you like a lottery ticket. The moment you understood serving God, coming to church, was going to be a part of a disciplined life. The moment you gave up because of that, you didn't understand the context here. God is not speaking to people who are living somewhere far off in a mansion saying, I got plans and a prosperity and a hope for you. It's going to be so good. He is talking to slaves, oppressed, defeated people, men. He's talking to Daniel who is castrated. And he's saying, but hold on. I got plans for you. I've got a hope for you. You don't see it. It's not going to come your way. It's going to come my way. But my plans will give you hope and they'll give you a future. I want to ask you something. Are you tired of trying to do it yourself? See, because when you give up coming to church, you didn't give up being religious. You just gave up being a Christian. You're still religious. Your religion is just now self-worship. Because you felt by myself I can make my money. By myself I can take care of my car. By myself I can get myself a job. And by myself I'll be happy. See, you didn't stop being religious. You just changed who you were worshiping. You worship self. Isn't that what 
Satan said to Adam and Eve that if you eat of this tree of the knowledge and good of evil, you'll become like God. You'll be your, your own God. Isn't that the same lie that we're hearing today? And so the question that I want to ask you here is, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you tired of seeing your plans not work out the way you thought they should? And are you willing now to stick with God's plan, even if it's going to take some years to come about? Seventy years for them. For their hearts to change. After they came out of the Babylonian captivity with Ezra and Nehemiah, they built back up the city. Hundreds of years later, Jesus came. Here's the point. God kept his word. And the Israelites never were idolaters again, even to this day. Even to this day, you'll not meet a Jewish man worshiping a false god. You won't see it. This was their last fling with idolatry. But he said, you got to be there 70 years. Some of you come to church after 20 years of being messed up. And I know God saves you instantaneously and perfects you. But you don't understand. You've got 20 years of bad habits to break. And one week of you getting discouraged about quitting smoking, quitting hanging out with those friends, you give up on God and throw up your hands. And he's looking at you going, I know the plans I have for you. But it's going to be 70 years. See, that's what it takes. Some of you want your marriage to come back or be another kind of marriage. It's going to take some time. You don't just get to snap your fingers and things change. It's going to take some time. For them to get the lesson, it was going to take 70 years. I don't know how long marriage counseling is going to take. I don't know how long you got to do family devotions with your kids. I don't know how long it's going to take for you to give tithe and offer and tithe and offer for you to finally break off of you that spirit of greed that keeps you thinking everything in your wallet belongs to you. But God said, I'm willing to wait 70 years for y'all to get this. How long are you willing to give God? How long are you willing to give him? Some of you don't think God's worth a year of your time, but yet you gave a year to stupid relationships. You gave a year to a bad job. You gave a year to hurt and pain, and God is saying, will you trust me for some time? Now look at what it says here. Then you will call on me. See, when you understand the process, that there's a purpose for the pain because there's a process of peace and prosperity coming to you, then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Kind of sounds like if we don't do it that way, he's not listening, doesn't it? Well, I thought God heard everybody's prayer. Yeah, but you don't pay attention to them. I hear all my children's noises in the backyard, but I don't pay attention to them until they come with daddy and they come correct after they put their toys away. Are you listening? Until they come the right way, I don't pay attention. I hear, but I'm afar off from doing what they think I'm going to do. And even when my son is right next to me and he says, give me son, you still don't get some like that with me. You've got to say, daddy, may I have some, please. And it sounds like God is talking to us the same way. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You will seek me and find me when, everybody say when, when you seek me with all your heart. Then I'll be found by you. How many think God is smarter than, uh, you know, than a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend? How many think God's smarter than people we've dated before? How many think God's smarter than that? How many know you can fool people with your heart but you can't fool God? Oh, you girls have heard it. Come on, I need a better amen than that. Come on, girls. You've heard guys look at you. Oh, baby, I love you. You only got eyes for you, baby. You got my whore. How many know he's lying? Just check his Facebook account. Hello? And you know, you know girls have said the same thing. Oh, you're just the sweetest thing. I love you. I love you, baby. Let me check your Facebook account then. Let me see. 
Let me see if you still got the quarterback from 1999 on your Facebook texting back and forth. I want to see. I want to see if it's really just me. Hello? See, but God won't be played like that. You might get away with it with somebody, like you hold back some of your heart. You may not be honest with somebody, but God says, the only way you're going to find me is when you come with all your heart. That's it. And I'll know when you do it. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have what? Where I have what? Banished you. Yep, God banishes people. Some of you are on punishment right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I got to talk to you straight. Some of you are on God's punishment right now. You're not understanding why you ain't going nowhere in the church, why your spirituality is not going anywhere. It's because you're punished. God has put you on ice. God has said, until you mean business, I ain't messing with you on that level. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about you. It doesn't mean he's not waiting to hear you come back to him with all your heart. But he's just saying, you can play others, but you can't play me. That's what he said. He said, I got your number. I know when you say you're sorry for looking at what you looked at online and you did what you did. But I see you go and do it again just to say that you're sorry. And then you start hanging out with them friends. And then you say that you're sorry for lying on your taxes, lying to your coworker. And I see you want to do it. He says, I see you on that merry-go-round. I see how you've made your heart a condominium where you put a little bit of sin in this in this unit, a little bit of me in this unit, a little bit of church in this. He says, I see you got ten units in your heart, and I only got two of them. And those are the ones that stink because you give me your problems but not your payday. You give, me, you give me all them broken relationships, but you don't let me choose your right friends. You give me Sunday morning, but you don't give me Friday night. He says, I want it all. He says, I don't want just your broke, busted, disgusted prayers when you can't pay bills. I want, your, I want your prayers and thanksgiving when you win the lottery, when you get the raise, when you get the new car. I want you picking up somebody and bringing them to church. Come on, somebody. And so now we have a simple little lesson to get from this. Y'all get the story now? Jeremiah is a prophet, gets the word about the people in exile. He tells them it was God who put you there for, to punish you. And now if you do these things, he's going to bless you. And he has a hope and a future for you. Well, so let's apply this to our life. Really simple, not complicated. Number one, we are to seek and pray for the peace and prosperity of Chicago. Do you agree with everything the mayor does? No, nope, but I'm going to pray for the peace and prosperity of the city. Do you agree with everything the school system does? No, nope, but I'm going to pray for the peace and prosperity of these people. Well, do you agree with everything the uh, police department does? No, nope, but I'm going to pray for the peace and prosperity of these people. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what God called me to do because I'm going to do it his way. If I'm going to bring about change, I'm going to do it his way. Number two, we need not to be deceived by those who say they've heard from God. As I told you before, I'm not going to be deceived by militant justice warriors who scream after police. And I'm not going to be deceived by compromising sinners who just say, well, maybe we aren't supposed to have the, the, the Christian values of our grandparents. Maybe it's never supposed to go back to Leave it to Beaver where mom and dad raise a kid in a happy home. Maybe it's just supposed to look like a Mad Max in the Thunderdome. I'm not going to become militant and angry. I'm going to pray for my enemies, and I'm not going to compromise and change who God called me to be. I'm not going to let them lie to me. I'm not going to let Oprah Winfrey lie to me. I'm not going to let Kanye West from Chicago lie to me. I'm not going to let Chance the Rapper lie to me. I'm not going to let Rahm Emanuel lie to me. I'm going to stand on what God said. Anybody else with me? Come on. Number three, I'm going to believe in God's promises to bless us. How many believe God still loves Chicago? 
I'm going to pray, pray and believe that what God said he can do, he'll do it again. If he did it for them, he'll do it for us. If we keep him at his word, the word will work for us. There's never been a time where God did not do what his word said. So if he said he's going to bless those who bless and pray for their enemies, who seek the peace and prosperity of their city, who truly lift up his name and do the right thing, I'm going to believe that way. I'm going to go Martin Luther King Jr.'s way. I'm going to go the way of true revolutionaries who were able to change culture without it changing them. I'm going to go the way of people of integrity who knew who they were on the inside and was that person when they were alone or whether they were in front of stadiums. Whether they had a million dollars or ten dollars, it never changed them because God, uh, their money wasn't God. God was their God. What was in their wallet what wasn't, wasn't controlling their heart. Their heart controlled their wallet because you know some people change when they get money, right? So that's right. Come on. And then lastly, what am I going to do? What does God say we should do from this? Learn from our, 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 our lesson here that we should pray and seek God with all of our heart. So I'm going to pray and seek God for all of my heart for Metro Praise International. You're going to pray and seek God for all your heart for your business, for your school, for your family. I'm going to pray with all of my heart for 1186 Shawford Way Drive. You're going to pray with all your heart for your address, for your home, for your neighbors, for your community. And you're going to put God first. No excuses, put God first. Now you see up until this point, other than a little bit of history, most of you might have heard something like this before. Really simple, right? And I'm not mocking the simplicity of it because it is simple. But many of you have heard this. If we want to change Chicago, get right with God, pray, get out there and do something, right? I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like. But hold on. Haven't we all heard this before? Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? You've heard messages like this before. Why isn't it stopping in the inner city? Don't they have churches there? Don't they got Bibles there, Steve, where you work? Don't, don't they all have one? Haven't they all heard this scripture before? Aren't most people today in Chicago going to some kind of church saying they believe mostly in our God, the, the cross, Jesus? But what's the problem? See, the problem is we've become a city of hypocrites. And what I mean by that is we get more excited about a guy with a stick hitting a puck through a net in hockey than we do about Jesus. We get more excited about the Cubs and their chance to win the World Series than we do about flooding stadiums for prayer meetings. We get more excited about selling our business ideas and concepts and going on TV shows like the Shark Tank than we do about preaching the gospel from house to house and from community to community like we're supposed to. We get more excited about our sexual perversion, our parties, and our music, and we make these idiots our idols while the world is burning and going to hell. And we saying, what's the problem with God? And God is saying, no problem with me. You're all going to be here for a while then, 70 years in exile until you learn to seek me with all your heart. When do you think Chicago is going to start doing this? When they get serious about God. That's when the change will come. Not because we had more church services. Not because we have more Bibles. Probably everybody has them in their home. Not because we give away more school supplies, though we are a very generous church. It's not because of those things that are going to change men's heart. It's when they say, I'm done with sin. I'm breaking up with the devil. I'm doing it God's way. So what does that look like? What does that choice for us today look like? Well, what it looks like is simple. It's us choosing God over our sins. What are the major sins right now in our city that are keeping God's blessings from us? That until we get serious about it, God's not going to hear those kind of prayers. God's not going to pay attention to what we're saying until we pay attention to his word. First one is abortion. How can we say to God in prayer, God, bless our city, give Chicago a hope and a future, and expect it then to happen when we are murdering babies in abortion clinics? 
Do you know that most women who get their children killed in abortion clinics claim to be a Christian? Hypocrisy. If you have had an abortion, you can be forgiven. Those in our church have. But you have to confess the sin of murder. You have murdered a living person. You may say, well, that, you know, that, that, that was a part of my body. It was my decision. No, your body walked out of that place alive while somebody else's body was dead in the garbage. If we found half of what we see inside of a one mother's womb on another planet, we would call it life. But since it's in the mother's womb, we let her murder it. Listen to me, my friends. Our culture is guilty of genocide of killing our youngest, the most innocent among us. And we'll see our friends post up things about animals and the, the treatment, how McDonald's treats the chickens they get chicken McNuggets from. And we'll hear about, oh, my gosh, the environment and how Brad Pitt thinks you should stop driving SUVs. And yet you don't hear a peep from your idols, from the world's popular about the case of abortion. You've seen Oprah Winfrey spout her blasphemy all over the, 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 the TV, talk about how she cares about the world, helps all these orphans. When has she ever mentioned one time the sin of abortion? And yet if there was anything that would bring the judgment of God upon us, it would be the murder of our children. God says, I hate those who kill the innocent. He says, I hate those who shed innocent blood. The next thing that we see is our addictions. We're addicted in so many ways to all of these different things. We're addicted to the alcohol, the drugs, the gambling, the food. We then see the sin of a broken family. When was the last time? Everybody look up at me, please. When was the last time you went to somebody's house, and here's what you saw. Mom, dad, married, children. Mom, dad, married, children. Now the majority of people don't have the same mom, dad in the home with the children. How can we ask God to bless us when he said, I bless a community through moms and dads training up their children? Is it any wonder the inner city of Chicago is the way it is? Where's the mothers and the fathers raising their children? And we see the demise of the homes. And it's not just an inner city problem. It's happened with the richest among us. Donald Trump, baby mama. Next one, baby mama. And yeah, they have money to cover it all up. But it's no different than the sin of the woman on welfare with three baby daddies. And it's no different from the college student with five lovers that keeps having abortion in the morning after pill. It's the heart of selfishness. Not the heart of giving and caring for family, but the heart of selfishness. And all of those unbiblical affairs, all of these desperate housewives. We literally made a TV show about Eva Longoria and her escapades of sin and debauchery, and we called it good. We gave them awards for it. God have mercy. Dishonest businesses. See right here, most of you would say, oh, yeah, I know businesses are dishonest. I know that they're stealing from their employees. I know that there's unfair wages and greed. But I want to ask you, are you stealing from your business? Because we have a culture that lies about when they clock in and clock out, lies about what belongs to them and what belongs to the company, taking stuff home that they ought not to, lying about what their job is asking them to do, fudging on numbers. So whether it's the CEO or the janitor, there's so much corruption in our businesses, lying, only looking out for self. The next thing that we see is that false religion has turned us away from God. And what is the very first one that I have there? What's it called? What's it called? Say it like you mean it. Don't be ashamed now. Roman Catholicism. 
Now listen to me. Many of you may say, well, Pastor, Roman Catholics are good people. They they believe abortion is sin just like you do. They stand for family values just like you do. Listen to me. I understand that. But they are a false religion. I have Catholic relatives. My grandmother and grandfather on my Polish side, Catholic. My uncles to this day still Catholic. Does that make it right? Does Does the family member change what truth is? Let me give you an example like this. My Italian grandpa used to slaughter his own meat because he had a farm. You know what he used to like to do for fun while he was making steaks and hamburgers? He would eat the meat raw while he was preparing it. Just take a chunk of the ground beef, put it in his mouth and eat it. Take a chunk of the steak. Do you think because my grandpa ate raw meat that I should eat raw meat? Should I ignore all that we know about medical science and go, well, grandpa did it, so I'll do it. Should I say that? Well, does it change with religion? If my grandma said, well, Joey, I used to pray to St. Bartholomew, and he always heard. Do I listen to grandma when she tells me something untrue? No, I don't. I help grandma. I love grandma. And what are the three major things about the Roman Catholic religion, and why is it so much to blame for our problems? The the three major things are they have a pope. The Bible never talked about a pope. We're all Christians. We're all equal here before God. I'm no different than you. I set down the mic. I walk out of here on two legs just like you. You don't have to kiss my ring. Bow down to me. That is how the disciples were. Show me anything different in the Bible, and and then I'll do it. Otherwise, you do what the Bible says. Stop idolizing man. Because it's an excuse for you not to get close to Jesus. Well, the Pope knows. The Pope, well, what about you? You won't have the Pope on Judgment Day. You'll stand before God by yourself naked, the Bible says. The third thing is, uh, the second thing is, all of these idols that they make, and they convince you that they're good idols because they're people in the Bible. Listen to me. I don't care if they're people in the Bible. It's still an idol. There is no idol here. There is no statue here. There is no candle to light here. God is spirit, and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. And then thirdly, that you have to wait until you get into some dark confessional closet and say, Father, forgive me for I have said, show me that in the Bible. I only need one man to forgive me, the God-man, Jesus Christ, who bled red for me, who bled red for me, died on the cross for my sins. And so now what problems does this create? What problems does this create? This creates false Christianity. So now you have a lot of people going, oh, I like your cross. That's so nice. I go to, I go to St. Vitus. I go to St. I like your, oh, but hold on. Do you read the Bible? Think about this. You ask yourself this question. You're not dumb, and you wouldn't be here if I was dumb. So ask yourself this and test if it's true. All the Catholics that you know, all of them, my uncle, my grandmother, all the ones that you know, how many of them read their Bibles? Do they read their Bibles? Do they pray that they live holy? Do they keep the commands of God? Do you see them out here preaching like Jesus? You know it as well as I do. They're hypocrites. Now, can there be hypocrites in here today? Yes, but that is a religion that is based upon the idea of false beliefs. And that's why they have a powerless Jesus. You see, nothing more than what the devil would love for you to do is to believe in a false Jesus so you can say, well, I tried that. I tried that. I went to catechism and I tried that. It didn't work. That's why I hear all the time, oh, I went to catechism, I was baptized. You weren't, you weren't taught and trained like me because I'm on fire for Jesus. Jesus has changed my life. There's a difference in my life. Whatever you tried was something less than the real Jesus. But see, the devil would love for us to be caught up in other religions. Now we know Islam is false, and I would say Islam is just as false as Roman Catholicism. Hinduism, New Age, the horoscopes, you'd be surprised how many Christians look at horoscopes. I don't need to look at the stars. I talk to the one who made the stars. Mormonism and Jehovah Witness, all of these false beliefs, 
black Hebrew Israelites trying to teach the black man that he's from the lost tribes of Israel to build up his self-identity. I can understand the, the, the need for them to know their identity, but my friend, know your identity in Christ. And then liberal Christianity, oh, we'll marry the same sex, it's okay, we're so loving, fly the rainbow over our church. But yet they're ashamed of the gospel that Jesus preached. Idolatry, you've heard about that already, our sports and our entertainment and money. How often do we bow down to these things? I talk to my friends all the time. Look, I'm a cool guy, everybody look at me, I'm cool, right, I'm cool. I have cool friends, I have cool hobbies. My friends are, you know, my non-Christian friends, oh, they're so cool too, you know, because they're busy. They got to be at the lake right now. They had to get a good spot. They had to get there early. Oh, yeah, the guy that I ride my bike with, he's 47, races, you know, his bike, mountain bike. He used to do all that. Wants to ride. Well, yeah, Sunday's the best day, bro. Let's go, man. Let's go. Let's ride our bikes, man. Come on. 